True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. Now, you're out there, you have acres and acres, hundreds of acres. All you have to do is water <laughs> okay. and mow, and they'll do the rest. Nope. Weed control, which you hate, fertilization, mm -hmm. aer aeration. Can't stand it. Among others. They'll do all that. So you can do literally anything else. Dana's out there like Yellowstone. You have better things to do in your free time. I know you do. You don't want to focus on lawn care. True green is too good to be true, mm -hmm. is what I'm saying. But it is true. Right, David? Because yeah. you're going to have more time to do yeah, things that you want to focus on. All the hard work and it gets yeah. you to a great lawn. That's what you want. You take care of everything else you got to do in your life. You're very busy. Let True Green take care of this one thing. Get it off your plate. You know what? I do have some space. I want to put some grass down. Some I, I might. This, I'll, I'll, talk, I'll call you later, talk, True Green. Talk to True Green. <laughs> Where can listeners mm -hmm. purchase or learn more? You go to TrueGreen.com. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, guaranteed. You can trust True Green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. Whoa. They offer a satisfaction guaranteed, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. That is such a cool thing. Good job, True Green. You're nailing it. Hey, guys. I'm introducing Kevin Nealon, one of my all-time favorites. I won't be doing it with Dana. He's in traffic and... So I hurry and rushed and did it by myself because uh, then I get to be me, me, me. Sometimes when I send an email, I put subject, me. Sometimes I don't. You know, it's going to be a struggle without Dana. You're going to have to struggle through, folks. Struggle it up. Kevin Nealon. By the way, Kevin Nealon has a book out. You know, Kevin, he does, he does caricatures, is that fair to say? cartoons he draw he's great at it I, I don't know if he's done the spade man but he's done a bunch and i see him on his instagram but the book is called i exaggerate my brushes with fame classic kevin neon very clever title he paints or something you know in the brush do you get it oh my god i'm not gonna walk you through all of them okay by the way i saw miles teller the other night i was at a undisclosed hollywood hotspot and I said, if you ever host SNL, you should have them all lined up in the monologue, the whole cast, and just name them all. Sponge bath, popcorn, camel toe. <laughs> it would fucking kill. If you want to kill. Do you want to bomb? Do something else. And then you could add this noise when the plane flies over. If you want call that i'll call it in anyway kevin was is great with his jokes because you know what he does he doesn't put any spin on him he puts nothing and i loved it because i used to do stand-up when i started i was at the improv and it's his name on the chalkboard i always say this but it was like paul riser jay leno jerry seinfeld jeff altman like all these great comics and i got to bring them up they made me be an mc for a while so i'd have to go and go what do you want me to say about you and i go just say i've been on merv griffin carson and, you know, Mike Douglas, <laughs> these are old shows. And I'd go, okay, whatever they are. Open for Joanne Worley and uh, Phyllis Dill. You know, it was like back in the day. So, but Neilan was always one of the ones I'd watch. And I go, God, he does not put any spin on it. 
driest stuff, the most throwaway jokes. And I was sort of patterning after that. Like I was sort of a research paper of Dennis Miller and all the comics I like. And then I kind of went into my own thing. But at the beginning, you have to like people. And, you know, but I also like Steve Martin, Eddie Murphy. So, you know, you just never know. But I, I Kevin is great. He was great to talk to as advertised. I was repeating a bunch of his jokes to him, which I always do. And um, I think you'll like it. Here he is, Kevin Elon. I have a question for you, but I got to wait for Dana, they said. Okay, they're all dumb, though. How's it been going? Oh, this is going through the roof, buddy. Awesome, man. I think. I don't know. Hey, I love your red... Uh, <laughs> My beatbox. Oh, it's an audio podcast. Sorry. Well, I've been losing more stuff on the road. You know, I can leave it on airplane pockets and stuff. I had, like, the little ones, but they're kind of gone now along with uh, my Apple Pencil, my iPad Pencil. Mm. You know, I was on a flight this week, and in, <clears throat> in the seat back in front of me, it said this uh, whole, you know, placket about the safety briefing has been scrubbed down with antibacterial stuff. It's stamped on it. I go, I don't believe it. I was skeptical. Yeah, yeah. Because they never even touched it after that. And I was like, I touched it. I don't believe the life running. preservers work either, you know, or the <laughs> masks. <laughs> well, I, I have such a terrible fear of flying when they come around and, and we get to a comfortable cruising altitude and they go, well, would you, would you like a beverage? So inside I'm screaming for a beer because my pulse is like 160. Yeah. But I'm like, oh, I don't know. Um, what do you got? Um, I'll have grapefruit juice. No, I guess I'll have a Heineken. <laughs> oh, you dance around it a little bit? Well, my wife, she has no fear of flying, so she orders coffee and a Heineken, and then Jeez. I order a Heineken, and then I have two, and then I put them on her tray, and I, I kind of shrug to the flight attendant like, I don't know, she's got an issue. <laughs> <laughs> you beat the system. One time well, I was joking I, I'm around. I'm on the ground, I don't drink. Yeah, go ahead. One time I was joking around with a flight attendant. It was like a 7 a.m. flight. She goes, can I get you something yeah. to drink? I said, yeah, I'll have a scotch on the rocks. And it was like ordering orange juice. He goes, okay. I thought on the rocks. Okay. Well, would you like something, sir? You know, because a lot of people drink uh, when they're flying. <laughs> because of fear and flying. I This famous actress flew next to me once. Aha. Guess who? Is this Sophia and, Lauren? No, no, it predates her. But anyway, this actress was really cool because they came around with these vodka lemon drinks on this flight. And she goes, I'll do it twice as opposed to give me two of them. <laughs> and she kept saying, I'm gonna sleep later, so I'll do it twice. <laughs> so that's what I say to my wife. Ladies and gentlemen, the comedy never, I, why is anyone? <laughs> listen, Dana, my airplane bits, I think I did on my first Tonight Show. Airplane bits are a real staple of comedians, I feel. And I think yes, we all have, have some. To. And mm -hmm. I remember the one that I can't do anymore, A, because it's old, even though Seinfeld said you should still do old jokes. But I said, when you're in first class and then they, you're in coach and they, you're a loser in coach, so the lady will walk out of first class and look at you. And then she looks back and shuts the little curtain so you can't even see the people in first class. She's like, it's a good sound too. And then she... She snaps it shut, and then she comes back later with a tire gun and goes, brum, brum. I go, I'm not looking. I'm not. <laughs> I, like, I remember this one. <laughs> I like the effects. I know, what that, I, do I know what that curtain close looks like from first class, but not from coach. Oh, you look back, and you go, <laughs> yeah. can you get one more snap? 
You know who was on my flight uh, two weeks ago? John Hamm. Oh, John Hamm. I didn't say anything to him because I didn't want to have to walk back to coach. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so rude. What? Can I do my impression of uh, John yeah. Hamm? Yeah. <clears throat> I don't even know you. What's that from? <laughs> Bridesmaids? I can't. I don't even know you. It's him on. You. It's someone asking him a favor on Mad Men. I don't even. Oh, know you know, you. I see. So I can't uh, hear myself. Dana, I've seen but. memes where because I'm like I'm representing the younger generation here. I've seen <laughs> <laughs> me Thanks. memes where because I'm tragically still on Instagram, but I uh, they show John Hammond in an elevator or something, and someone says something to him, and then they put a picture of John Hamm going, "I don't even know you." So. It must be a famous line from the show. It also makes you do the impression. Kevin, what's your what's your uh, famous for you uh, airplane bit? Do you have one? Oh, uh, yeah. It's um, I was flying the other day and I think the pilot was a little inexperienced. <laughs> it's already uh, fun. I like this. <laughs> we were getting ready to take off. He goes, folks, uh, we'll be talk- taking off in a few minutes. Whoa, here we go. <laughs> well, I love that he's a little inexperienced. I was kind of. And then we got half. We got. We were up in the air for like. We were up in the air for like twenty minutes, and he comes back on the PA. Goes, uh, folks, I can't seem to figure out where. Oh, never mind. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here's a good one. I go. We land. I go. Why are you allowed to land anywhere near the actual airport? We're taxiing around and going. Inside. I'm like, hey, I saw some lights over there. Oh, we're going this way. And then I go, all right. And then. We got to the gate, and and we we're not even allowed to park at the gate, and then we yeah. so we just ta- then we uh, start following this pilot. He's walking to a plane because uh, I see him holding his keys, but then uh, he's just getting some on his plane, so we can't park there. He's <laughs> it's sort of. I think that was it. It was better. I guess I, I was in an emergency uh, landing once, and I I've had um, many of them. I just. Got- I discovered that the overhead luggage compartments are not emergency exits. <laughs> you just called us there. I did one that we'll probably have to cut this out, but I was playing Spellbinders in Houston in the 80s. <laughs> I didn't go on the road that much, but Bill Hicks, who's a famous comedian who passed away, was yeah. my opener. So he would dare me to do a hacky opening. So I don't know if it was Jeez. my joke, and I couldn't do it today. It'll be canceled. But it was like I'd go up and I'd go, hey, ladies and gentlemen, I flew here on Mexicana Airlines. It was a great airline. The pilot had dice hanging in the cockpit. And uh, <laughs> he just thought that was the greatest thing ever. That guy would go on stage with a sport coat for like 20 minutes. He had a big sport coat on. He's doing all his jokes. And then he would reach in and pull out an ice cold Budweiser beer. He kept it in his jacket like a magician for 20 minutes of that <laughs> one did? joke. Anyway. One time he tried to drink, one time he tried to uh, drink a dove. He pulled that out by mistake. Oh, I had that with great, what was he, the great Scott at Comedy Magic Club? He, he, the birds, he, he'd get them and, and they they come out of his jacket, you didn't know where they were coming from. And he, and oh, he right, right. went out and it, it was dead. <laughs> <laughs> it was like I thought benefits. they were made of paper. That's Summer your showstopper, ladies Summer and gentlemen. Hey, no, but Kevin, you'll like this story, I think, because we're comedians. But I was telling somebody last night that one of my buddies was a waiter at the Dallas Improv. Remember the Dallas Improv, I love the old one in Dallas off uh, Central and Walnut, I think, and it was right next to Kroger's. And so a comedian came in, and he was there in the day, but you know, setting up. And the comedian, the headliner, 
It's kind of jerky. I don't even know who it was for real. But he came in, he starts bossing everyone around, getting the keys to the condo and, you know, asking him this and that and sort of being pushy. So the waiters realized they didn't like him. And then he came back in for the show and he goes to my buddy, hey, come here. And he goes, because this is some people that listen to this no comedy, you have to adapt to a city. So he goes, what's the big store around here? Is it uh, Alpha Beta? He goes, no, it's Kroger's. That's the one around the corner. And he goes, yeah, yeah, okay. And you guys have a Circle K? He goes, no, we have 7-Eleven. He goes, yeah, okay, okay. You know, he's working his act out. And then he goes, and what's this big, uh, huge street right in front of here with all the traffic? He goes, oh, that's Apollo Boulevard, which was a lie. And so the guy gets up and he starts <laughs> killing. And then he goes, and that was crazy. I couldn't even get here because of Apollo Boulevard. He just comes to a con- complete screeching halt. And then he goes, Apollo over here. And someone goes, Central Expressway. He goes, no, Apollo. <laughs> He's arguing with him. <laughs> and then he just keeps digging a deeper hole. And he comes with my friend later. He's like, you fucking dick. And he's like, uh, he goes, oh, yeah, you know what? I said it wrong. That is Central Expressway. Mike Myers and I were playing Green Bay, Wisconsin, I think. So we can't, they said, oh, they love it. If, they love it if you say cheese heads. So we went up there. <laughs> I don't know if we're doing Wayne and Garth or whatever. Like, cheese heads, cheese heads. <laughs> I swear there was almost a riot. That is like a slur. That is a cheese head. We kept doing they it. Mike's like, I don't know what's going on, man. Anyway, we should introduce our guest today, Kevin Nealon. Oh, yeah, Nealon. Kevin Nealon. Saturday you know, Night Kevin Live All-Star, Weeds. Yeah. Uh, how many times he's been on The Tonight Show? Letterman. How many specials? Three? Three stand-up specials? Four? Two. Two. Two, but working <laughs> on a third. Two, but all good material. Yeah. I didn't space it out like a lot of comics. You know, Seinfeld said, <laughs> Seinfeld says every comedian, even the good ones, have about an hour 20 of good material. Even if they do ten specials, he goes. You're quoting Seinfeld a lot. I know that's you know what that's the only second time. That's it. But uh, he's the Pope because there's more to come. Yeah, that's the every quarter the the rules of how you're supposed to stand up. You can obey him or not, but he has definite rules of how. What does Seinfeld say about Jesus? (laughs) He does Jesus. (laughs) I don't do religion. Then half the people hate you. You know, I think this is a big compliment, Kevin. Some of the top comedians will talk and say Kevin is one of the tallest comedians that has to mean something to you it's really a compliment you know <laughs> because you know there's rumors out there that I'm not that tall so when somebody validates that for me it really and it's it's weird too because I have a fear of heights so every day I live in fear you know <laughs> Kevin you know I was saying the other day that uh if you're ever around a vulture don't play dead because that's what they want <laughs> that's right that's, that's it. right it's one of neilan's old bits um not even a oh, bit really? it's more of a line yeah that's yours let's, i didn't know that was mine oh for real it's funny yeah uh i let's go back and say before we get to snl when i when kevin neilan i used to watch and i was when i started and i was at the improv which was a big deal i was doing hosting which is a hard job and i would host and have to bring every comic up from 8 to 1 a.m. And I'd end in the hallway and i go, what do you want me to say about you? And so I'd kind of know comics, kind of, you know, acquaintances, because they'd say, oh, you're the MC, blah, blah, blah. But Neilan, I uh, was on the chalkboard. Uh, Carvey wasn't there as much, but I was pretty influenced by a little peppering of Neilan, a little Carvey, a little uh, Dennis Miller. And when you're starting out, you start to see all these great comics right in front of you. You don't have to wait a week or three to see them on Carson or something. So I got influenced, but you guys were all great. And then, uh, and then 
something happened. Remember, Nealon, when I got kicked out of John Mulrooney's place because uh, his roommate, who actually passed away, God, that comic was great. Uh, and then um, I said, you said, oh, why don't you rent my room while I, you got SNL. Remember that whole thing? Yeah, yeah. You rented my room? An Alciona. Uh, an Alciona. Yeah, so it was me, you, Bob Duback, J- yeah. Dana above the garage, and Joe, my wife and the I. writer. Joe yeah. Kenny. Joe Kenny. Joe Kenny. We lived above the garage. It was like a little mini compound, not fancy at all. I got hassled by the postal service there. That's a whole nother story. But my wife and I were saving her salary, which was 29000 a year working for a state assemblyman, so we could save up and buy a house. So it was 300 bucks a month, and it was just a room with a sink. We had a hot plate. I come up back after a gig and just watch TV with headphones on, and she would sleep. And Kevin was uh, rented it to us, or Kevin and Bob, or Kevin invited us to live there. But Bob, Bob was like the ringleader of the place. I was just a yeah. renter. I had that little uh, bedroom on the end there. But I went back there um, about a year ago with my wife mm-hmm. and son to just see what it looked like. And the owners were there and they had filled in the driveway with a yard and a swing set. What? And a little uh, car that goes two, across two. the front. You could park a little bit in there, but it doesn't have that big park, uh, parking lot. Yeah, there's a big yeah. He, yeah. He, I, I told him we used to live there. And, um, and in fact, the guy's wife, Dana, did your costume for the commercial you guys did or wardrobe for the- uh, For the make, Wayne and Garth yeah, for the uh, Wayne and Garth for the Super Bowl commercial. Oh, really? Huh. Yeah. So I she knew you, but yeah. they gave me a tour of the place. I went inside and um, they had changed it around a little bit. I saw where your apartment was, which is their office now. And there's like a downstairs, you know, nobody lives downstairs. They have a staircase and a living room that goes down to the lower apartment. Wait, was there, it was all one, wow. one story, right? Like your, your no, bedroom was close family- to Alciona. There was a couple that lived downstairs with their baby. Downstairs? I don't even remember that. I, I don't <laughs> think I was allowed. Noises. No, I wasn't allowed because, but Neilan was very nice because when he come back on the, I had just done like police academy. I was pretty new. And when you guys would come home, that was really exciting because you had war stories and you would say hi to me and Neilan, you would stay on the couch. You wouldn't even kick me out of the room because you thought that was unfair. Why don't uh, I remember any of this stuff? I know because I was forgettable and I've been told that by my parents, especially my dad. But I do remember that when you got on SNL, I lost I lost my subletter. So you really kind of screwed me over there. Oh yeah, that is true. Would you like to learn a new language? We. Oui. <laughs> See what we? I did? Oh. No, I said we oui, like French. Oh, okay. We 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 we. I have, ever since I've seen Pepe Le Pew and his way with women, I thought, I want to learn a new language. You know what? I, I do have a, because uh, I'm, a, I, I do voices and stuff. I do like yeah. the sound of, of, of French language. Yeah, you're good at faking a language. I just do gibberish, but I want to actually learn. And that's, mm-hmm. I'm going to introduce you in the world to Rosetta Stone. It's the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. Yes. I've heard about this and talked about it for a long time. It's a trusted expert for 30 years. They have millions of users, 25 languages offered. So I think that pretty much covers the globe. You've got your Spanish, your French, Mm -hmm. you were just talking about, 
Korean, Dutch, Arabic. Fast language acquisition. There's no English translations. So you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language. That's the hard part, I think. That's it. And it's an intuitive process. You pick Mm -hmm. up the language naturally. First with words, then phrases, then sentences. And it's all designed for long-term retention, which is great. Because I took Spanish for 12 years. And all I know is how to find a library. Yes, Donde, I know. Donde está la biblioteca. So this one, really, really, you retain it. I learned German, and I know hastu zweister now abra. No, hastu bruder now nine abra covers by zweister. That means have. Do you have a brother? No, I have, but I have three sisters. I took German for seven years, and all I remember is Gesundheit. <laughs> what does that mean? That means bless you. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, so someone sneezes. Gesundheit. Rosetta Stone, that's not going to happen. Another thing I love is they have a built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation. That's like having a personal trainer for your accent. Very important to being understood in a foreign country is to do it in kind of the rhythm of the way that language is speak. Right. You don't don't look like some clown. Desktop and (laughs) app options, audio companion, ability to download lessons offline. By the way, the Lifetime membership has all 25 languages. For any and all trips and language needs in your life, Mm -hmm. that's lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. What are we waiting for? It's a steal. What is going on? Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started for a very limited time. Fly on the Wall listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Oh, yeah. Visit rosettastone.com slash fly. That's 50. That's like the highest I've heard of. 50% Mm -hmm. off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash fly today. And I had to keep the story. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. (laughs) No, no. But we're all all three interacted in in this mid 80s thing and we all eventually ended up on snl but when i met david i wasn't never had been on snl when i met kevin he'd never been on snl i got on snl by a long long story for another time but then freakily they they had one last slot they were trying to cast in new york and this is true it sounds funny at the time but they mentioned chevy or uh, somehow i don't know if they were serious but he was somebody tall or something so i i said well i know someone tall and then through, through whatever machinations, Bruce and Gray or whatever, Kevin came out to the studio. And I think, so now Kevin's auditioning, but the show had been cast. But I think we were in 8-H. And didn't you just sort of stand near us? You're like eight or 10 people and do stand up? Yeah, where were it you? wasn't a typical audition, I don't think. Yeah. Um, yeah, I went there and I immediately got tired when I walked into that studio because I used to fall asleep watching that show and it was an association <laughs> thing. You know? Yeah, you were. <laughs> yeah. So I, um, Dana and I used to do uh, characters at, at our house on Alciona Drive in the Hollywood Hills. You know, we would stand out in the driveway and just kind of riff on on different, like a couple accents of different characters. And, and I didn't yeah. do any characters or accents or impressions. You know, I was just a stand up, a really, yeah. really good stand up. Yes, it's true. I'll show you. You'll see. Oh no! And, I want uh, to make an observation. <laughs> I'd like to make an observation. The th- the thing about your style of stand up, which really lent itself to this high pressure situation, was you never know when you're you've started. 
Like you're yeah. suddenly kind of talking and it, you, there's no presentation or like, now here's right. my joke. You just start like doing that sly kind of, you know, you always got to, you got to, you got to yeah. keep pace with life, whatever. And then, so you, you, you essentially killed, but go ahead. So yeah, side. so I go to studio at H and typically they have you on the, the center stage, I guess. And you have to do like three characters and yeah. three accents or something. I don't know what it is, but there wasn't that demand when I went there. And I just kind of, I did the characters we worked on a couple of, I think it was a couple of Sammies and it was like the two guys, the two porn (laughs) stars talking about, you know, talking about very casual stuff. Were some of them a little undercooked? Yeah, totally. Oh, they never got fully baked. They were very undercooked. (laughs) They're just like, here's a wispy idea that I'm fucking just throwing shit out to hope something you that's go that's what i was doing yeah that's what i was doing and they look for a nugget up. of a thought they they i think downing those guys and yeah. lauren they go i like that weird idea even if it's undercooked and it's not quite fully uh formed and written out well we got great writers here you give us that idea we throw it around the table i bet we could come up with something so that's what i learned they like but go ahead sorry go ahead my memories uh tells me that i was sitting i was standing at the end of the bleachers or something and yeah, I was on the floor, and everybody like Dennis Miller, you, John Lovitz, Nora Dunn, Lauren, Phil, yeah. Marcy, yeah, Phil. Oh, not even, I don't know if Phil was there, but anyway, they're all you guys were all on the bleachers watching me, and I did my thing. You know, it was very short, and then I left. You know what's funny? Oh yeah, his act is so dry that it's almost. I, I think I took a page out of that because. If it doesn't work, you're almost like it wasn't supposed to work. <laughs> I'm just talking. I was just talking, and I'm, now I'm leaving. I'm yeah. out there screaming, desperate, trying to get laughs. laughs. And if I swing and a miss, it's over. But Kevin, I want to know the, the, the timeline from when you first heard in California, hey, uh, you, they might be interested in SNL. Can you fly to New York? You do your thing. Is that like a week later? And then do you find out the next day or how, how soon? After it was you very did that? quick. It was very yeah. quick. I remember that. It was like a weekend. Like on Friday, I think they told me I have it. I'm coming to New York. I didn't have the chance really to tell my friends that I was on yeah. SNL. And I just packed up. I got spayed to rent my room. <laughs> and I went to New York. Did you stay at the Omni Berkshire? I think so. And I, or the Essex house. I don't even remember, like, I, I didn't even know New York that well. And Al Franken said, you got to find a good neighborhood to live in. And I think, isn't New York a neighborhood? Isn't, I didn't know there were separate neighborhoods. <laughs> you know, you got to find a place that's close to a subway and something with grocery stores, you know, like the Upper West Side or whatever. Yeah. So Dane and I actually, uh, after a couple of years in, we lived in the same apartment building on Broadway. At Bromley. the Bromley? Yeah. Bromley is very, very nice. I, mean, I think for, Mikey for Myers price. stayed at the Bromley and then Farley moved into the Bromley. Huh. Well, there was a movie theater right underneath it, which was yeah. kind of cool. And it was Cineplex. close to the park. And it wasn't yeah. too expensive. Across yeah. from Zay Bars and H&H Bagels, not far away. Yeah. And okay. uh, they, everyone they lived up the west that I knew. Andy and Katie, my uh, relatives lived up there. And, and then slowly... I'm not jumping ahead, but slowly people trickled to the village and I didn't because I only knew my little haunts. And by the time it was over, I didn't know anybody up there because you guys. Yeah, I moved, I moved to the West Village and, and it was a beautiful federal uh, style home, I think they call it, you know, like a brownstone. And we had the top two floors. Dana, did you ever come over there? I don't think so. I never, I was. It, was, it had four fireplaces, high ceilings, and. Um, it was just really cool. And it's right next to the meat market district, which is now like the hip place. But back then it was really the meat market. 
And at night when I come <laughs> home from SNL, I'd see these like rave clubs where there'd be these transgenders out front, you know, waiting to go in and like three in the morning. And uh, but now it's like totally gentrified and it's beautiful. So what? So then maybe what, a week or two later, you're you're premiering on Saturday Night Live? Yeah. Well, are you at the beginning of a season or are yeah. you at the. I'm at the beginning big, of uh, yeah. okay. 86. That the fall. first the first show. Yeah. October. The first the host. Uh, it was um, Sigourney Weaver. Oh, good. Yes. Sigourney yeah. Weaver. I remember was the at host. the end of that week when she was saying the good nights, I was so jealous because she got to go. She got to leave and I had it kind of like she was like a prisoner getting released. And I had to stay. <laughs> just just because of the how did you handle the nerves? Because it was didn't so you do, intense. Yeah, it's just crazy, right? Well, you know what I pretended? Because the year before that, the ratings were so low and they almost pulled the plug. In fact, we all lived out of our suitcases every day. We didn't know if the show was going to get canceled. So um, I, that's what I kept in mind. I thought nobody's watching this show. Otherwise, my nerves would have killed me. And I thought, you know, I'm used to playing in front of 300 people, which is about how many are in that studio. And then I remember I was still nervous though, and we're away from a commercial. And my first sketch was Mr. Subliminal, which is kind of like two conversations at once, you know? Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. That was your, on the first show you got to do that? Yeah. So 10 seconds before the, the sketch is supposed to start, you know, we're away at a commercial and we're coming back from the commercial. Lauren comes up to me and he puts his hand on my shoulder and he says to me, are you sure this is what you want? Uh, what? <laughs> That's his way to relax you, I suppose. Yeah. But uh, he would say those funny things. So d give us 10 seconds of Mr. Subliminal so people know what we're, we're talking about. Well, Mr. Subliminal is the guy who kind of inserts these uh, words into a sentence to get what he wants. You know, <laughs> like uh, if I go to, a, if I go to a, a deli or something, I said, you know, I think I'll have the uh, corned beef sandwich, your treat. Now, maybe, you know, why don't you throw in uh, a Diet Coke too, whiskey, and uh, that'll be good for me, you know. Uh, <laughs> he manipulates you know. his way through life, life yeah. with subliminal messages. Yeah. And That's his name is Mr. That. Subliminal. Yeah, I love it. First show, you got a good one on. Yeah, I got a good one, and I started getting recognized right away. That's that's the funnest part. I mean, it takes a while to get famous, and then you just stay famous. But it takes it takes longer. Back then, SNL, there was probably SNL and maybe HBO. There wasn't a ton of choices. I mean, there was no. three networks or four networks, maybe. And cable was very new. Cable was new, you know? yeah. So it wasn't so overriding. And uh, you would get recognized. There was a water cooler effect to it. And Kevin and I, and it, you know, we had a small cast. So everyone got involved pretty quickly. You're on two or three things a show. Was Jan that year? You met Jan on the show? I love Jan Hooks. She was yeah. Jan so Hooks fucking funny. and Phil Hartman and Kevin and I came in and then Lovitz and Dennis, Nora Dunn and Whitney Brown were there. Wait, I think so that was Dana, you hadn't started yet? Victoria Jackson. So you were- no, are, Kevin you were and I, with, my first show was Lauren. Kevin's first show. I was living with Lauren in Long Island, but then I got a place in, in Manhattan and my first show- was Kevin's first show. But I've been there since August, hanging out. I, I was about to say, you you actually had some influence you haven't even started yet. I was with Lauren for a month. I didn't know, he used to come out and I and I, initially it was just me. I was I was the only one out there. And then Chevy How Chase- scary that you would go stay with Lauren and see McCartney and these guys? McCartney, hanging out every night with McCartney. We all got to know- Paul McCartney? The Paul, well, Lauren does one of it. He knows there's Paul Simon and Paul McCartney. So he said, Paul's coming over tonight. And you have to ask Paul who. <laughs> that would be McCartney. And I'd never he even been on Paul television. Dean. Yeah. Paul one time, Dean. One time we were Paul all having Paul lunch. Stone. 
We're all having lunch. <laughs> I think it was Central Cafe in New York. It was me, Steve Martin, Lauren, and maybe Billy Joel was there too. And Steve was talking about Cher. <clears throat> and I mean, uh, Lauren was talking about Cher. And Steve <laughs> piped in. He goes, Cher who? <laughs> Steve, has, Steve for having those big jokes like in his old albums which I used to memorize and those crazy things he would also say the driest shit like that too is so funny oh, yeah, yeah 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 but um yeah I mean that was Lauren everybody does impressions of Lauren too you know every cast yeah. member would, would do so great through the generations but the other thing about us being on uh when we were, it was a small cast. And then it started getting bigger and bigger. Like our introductions only lasted maybe two minutes. And now if you watch it, there's like yeah. 50 people on the show. Even <laughs> and like then and, one you know, sketch. Featuring so-and-so and then oh, somebody oh. who might be on, somebody who might be on, he's standing by, we'll see. Uh so-and-so. <laughs> and a contest winner. Yeah. <laughs> I think Kevin and I were on the last small cast show, and then it grew with uh, Mike Myers and then David and Adam and everybody else. But initially, I think it was just like six of it. I was kind of like three or four. Well, men, what happened was we kind of ran out of tricks and Lauren kind of saw the writing <laughs> on the wall. He goes, we had to get some more, more energy in here, some more people with some ideas. It was like COVID that was expanding and we were like the Delta coming in. It was just yeah. getting bigger well, and bigger. I came, in, I came in hard and fast with the lady, but I, I had the benefit of having <laughs> Phil and lady. The lady and Phil and Jan were on it, and the host would be on it. Sean Penn beat me up and stuff. But the the only time it was very conscious with Kevin and I doing a tour with Dennis was our uh, eventual Hans and Franz uh, characters. <laughs> it was great. Are you to the Swatch tour? That's right. Yes. It was the Swatch tour. I was so jealous. I heard you guys were making six grand a night. I was shitting. I was like, no uh, fucking way. It was way. five grand a night. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh, okay. I feel better. But um, yeah, so I was, I went and saw it in Arizona and it was like so huge for comedian. They were like three great comedians are coming to town. It was unreal. And you don't have to do that long. I probably do a half each or something. I remember yeah. we were in Denver. It was our last, I think, stop on the tour. And John Travolta came with some mutual friends of mine. Yeah. And he offered us all a ride back to LA. He was piloting uh, a jet, his jet. Whoa. And I jumped on it. I said, yeah, I'll go. But you and Dennis, Dana, were uh, fearful flyers. So you said no. I was a huge Welcome Back Cotter fan, but I couldn't imagine that guy <gasps> steering. But I, I've been tapped out. <laughs> I've been Steering tapped out a few times in my life. Impressionists get tapped out. So I was doing Travolta that night, a really silly, stupid pit, whatever. You know, all these guys like this and that. And the crowd starts really starting to roar. Obviously, he's sneaking up behind me. And I'm really, you know, because you know, I can't. Oh my God. And then he taps me on the shoulder. And then he says, you know, I, I think it's a sincere form of flattery. <laughs> oh, how but great. I, I, I tell people, because always, they always ask, who was the best this, 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 and this? I would say Travolta was the most accessible, real uh, superstar I've ever met. Like instantly liking him and he was just very affable. Didn't you find Kevin? I mean, it's just this charm. Yeah, no sense he, he was a superstar at all. Nothing. He's no, just like he just, he just loves being in the business and acting. And when he was hosting that week, um, he, he really befriended Jan and gave her a nice long leather brown jacket for her birthday. And one night yeah. we all went over to Jan's apartment. It was me and Johnny and 
uh, our mutual friends, Linda and Anson. Johnny. And we get to uh, Jan's apartment. And we were each doing our impression of his character from Greece, <laughs> like that one yeah. scene where he leans against the wall, you know, and he, he leans against the wall and turns around with a cigarette in his mouth. Yeah. 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 Hilarious. We, we were all doing that impression. And then John went last and he nailed it. I mean, he won the competition. Oh, how fucking cool. Yeah. He was the best it. at doing it. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> crazy, man. He must have been practicing, but that's what he's like. You know, he's, he'll do that stuff. I was only on the show a little bit when I met him. And about three years later, I was at Sushi 101 on Beverly and I was eating and he came in with a hat and he's ordering to go stuff. And I'm like, this motherfucker looks like John Travolta. <laughs> and then he turns <laughs> around and looks, and then he keeps ordering, gets his bag, and turns on. He goes, "Hey, it's John. What's up? Remember me? I was on SNL with you." I go, "I remember you. Yeah, I saw Greece 45 times. Yeah." And then Saturday Night Fever, and then, like right around the same time, bam, bam, Urban mother, Cowboy, monster, monster, that Urban Cowboy. Mon that same week we were, uh, he was hosting. We all went to the Palms Restaurant on the uh, Lower East Side, and we're walking. Jeez, I, give I, him some breathing room. <laughs> Go ahead. You're stalking That was his idea. It was his idea. We are walking up Third Avenue, <laughs> and this was like in 1994 or 95, way after Welcome Back, Cotter. Mm -hmm. And there's this uh, homeless guy sitting on the sidewalk, and he's looking down, and as we're approaching, he goes, he, he goes hey, you guys got any spare? And he looks up, and he sees Travolta, he goes, Hey, Barbarino! <laughs> that was the last time that guy probably watched TV. Dude, how how funny was that fucking uh, Tarantino's Welcome Back, Cotter? How funny was that sketch? That was a great one. Well, Kevin, you remember that John Travolta came to Saturday Night Live just to be a fly on the wall, to hang out and learn the show. And that's when, when I met him. And um, then yeah. he hosted later, but I think I'd left by then. So I missed that part, but... Yeah, he just was hanging oh, yeah. out. I missed the one where, oh, the Tarantino one? Yeah. Where it was, oh my God. I got to be Horseshack. Mr. Cotto. <laughs> uh, you know who I missed by a couple of seconds was when George Harrison came and stopped by the writer's uh, room. Oh, no. Wow. Mm. Yeah, he came in. Is that when he played the piano? Yeah, he was playing the and piano. It was next to Al Franken's office. And Al Franken <laughs> didn't know it was George Harrison. And he was yelling from his office, keep it quiet. I'm trying to write. That's all for Al. <laughs> I'm just trying to write a so song, you know, for Paul. Shut up. And <laughs> <laughs> then he flipped the, in the writer's room, remember he flipped the table, he's mad and he smashed his toe. <laughs> oh, he might well, have gone. He was he a red, Al is, Al is like stocky, you know, and he was a wrestler. Not George and one, Harris. One night, him and, um, Farley, sorry, I was spaced out. Him and Farley oh, went, yeah, yeah. went at it like like hardcore fighting each oh, other. Oh, wrestle, yeah. But but for playful fun, but it was intense, those two guys. Yeah, yeah Frankie was always- super competitive. Frankie was always um, uh, kind of exploring. He wanted to be a part of your history. Like I was a football player, so he wanted to play football. You know, we would play basketball. Uh, he wanted to wrestle with Farley. That was the thing about Farley, too. Farley was really, even as heavy as he was, he was so light on his feet. And he was a good basketball player, really coordinated. You saw him skating in yeah. the rink, you know? Well, I that's mean, what made shockingly him so funny. Light yeah. on his feet, yeah. yeah. That Nancy Kerrigan sketch, I don't know if you guys remember that one, was uh, the whole show wasn't that great, but he, uh, he was doing the ice skating one. Yeah. Yeah, it was very good. 
Wisconsin well, look at him on the down by the river thing. Just anyway. Buying someone jewelry is usually a great experience all around. To get a beautiful gift, mm-hmm. you get the unforgettable moment of seeing the look on their face when they open it. The tricky part, Dana, as you know, yeah, figure, figuring out how to get the perfect piece at the best price. I hate to say it. Price yep. matters. I mean, yeah, yep. that's why I recommend for any jewelry purchase, you source it from BlueNile.com. They've been with us for a while. Yeah. Blue Nile offers thousands of independently graded diamonds, David, and find jewelry at prices significantly below traditional retail. They also offer peace of mind with every purchase. Some of their highest quality stand. They have some of the highest quality standards in the industry. Right. And David, whether you want to make a classic statement by gifting a white gold tennis bracelet mm-hmm. <laughs> to Sarah Sherman or, <laughs> or, or bring Zendaya. Out, or bring out her eyes with sapphire and diamond hoop earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts can help you find the perfect gift. David? They're available 24-7 by phone or chat to answer technical questions like, should I make it a diamond cut or a circle? <laughs> Those are the technical questions. <laughs> I know. Uh, oval. They fit your budget. They'll make sure what you want, they can fit in your budget. Yes, it's very difficult to buy jewelry for someone because, um, you know, it's it's a subjective thing. And the, you'll be guided with the, this company's going to help you make the right choice. You right. give them a little information and they'll go, Sapphire. It's hard to roll down to your local strip mall and go, yeah, we're a jewelry store and we sell trucker hats. It's like, that's yeah. not what you want. Or sometimes they have a small jewelry kiosk inside a Denny's restaurant and it's like <laughs> they're flipping hot cakes and I'm trying to find my loved ones. Yeah. yeah, no thank you. You can feel great about your purchase because Blue Nile also offers a diamond price match guarantee. Oh, that's nice. So you can't lose. No, mm-hmm. just in case you got 30 day returns mm-hmm. shop blue nile today and experience the ease and convenience of the original online jeweler go to blue today that's blue david whether you have a few weeks old puppy or a senior who's seen multiple decades any dog person like me knows the most valuable thing in the world is spending time with your pet yep the farmer's dog makes it easy to keep them healthy which can give you more quality years with your Lovely dog. Yeah, well, I've heard Farmer's Dog makes and delivers fresh, healthy dog food. And, you know, that's what everyone's looking for. It's recommended by vets, nutritionally balanced. Uh, it's made from human-grade ingredients, safe, clean kitchens. All that stuff matters. Yeah. I mean, you love your dog. Why Why get the lousy food for your dog? Farmer's Dog is the best. Traditional dry and wet dog food options are extremely processed. Sometimes dogs. much lower quality. Yeah. <laughs> you, you put it in their bowl and they go. What is this kibble? And they knock it away. What is this canned goo? Oh, yeah. I've had our dog, yeah, look at the bowl and then kind of crank its neck up and look at me. And it was like, really? They go, really? Why don't you go first? You want a bite of this? Slop. (laughs) (laughs) And it makes that sound. Here you go, dog. So Farmer's Dog isn't just higher quality food. They also send the food pre-portioned specifically for your dog based on their unique nutritional needs. It makes it easy to help your dog reach and stay at their ideal weight, David. And which is one of the biggest indicators of a full, healthy life. A fresh diet has been found to have all sorts of benefits, David, from healthier coat Mm -hmm. and skin, better breath, you want to kiss your dog, and even easier digestion and smaller 
and better poops. Let's look at a clip. It doesn't matter if your dog's young or old. It's always the right time to invest in their health for more happy years with your dog. Get 50% off your first box at farmersdog.com slash fly. Let the farmer's dog know we sent you. Use your code or click podcast after you sign up for your first box. Hey, Dana, who was your biggest idol on that show that you got to meet? Um, I'll tell well, you who it was. Okay. It was Neil Young. I had to be Neil Young, but Paul McCartney I met before the show, so it doesn't really count in real life. Right. But meeting Neil Young was quite a thrill. And one night, I don't know if you were there, Kevin, we went out to dinner like with six or eight people with Neil, and I was with Phil, and I said, Phil, let's make Neil Young helpless with laughter. Let's see if we can really get him. So we're doing every shtick we can, every accent, just going crazy just to get him helpless, and we did. Just to pay him back. Fun story, right, kids? <laughs> <laughs> that is good. That is good. I like that. I like you that. You meet people when you're on Saturday Night Live. You just meet famous people doing sketch comedy, so they're they're especially vulnerable, and they're looking to you for advice after the first couple seasons. It's interesting, isn't it? Do you ever help people that, out? I find that anybody who's ever hosted, no matter how long ago it was, they're still your best buddy because they latch on to you because they're so scared on that show. They latch on to you and they're be. friends forever. Yes. Yeah, you, you skip a few levels of casual friendship and you get in there because you're in the trenches so fast and you're explaining cue cards or you're saying this or you're telling when to get, if you start crying on Friday night, that's normal, don't freak out. Because it's so overwhelming to go, we haven't even rehearsed half this shit and it's tomorrow. And I don't even know what's going on. And they start, my clothes are made of Velcro. <laughs> yeah. Remember Robert Mitchum? <laughs> Robert Mitchum, yeah. Robert Jeez, Mitchum came me. in. The famous, famous movie star. Yeah. Uh, and he had a gigantic thing of Jack Daniels in his, in his room. But he was incredible <laughs> on the show. You know, just you meet so many eclectic people. I remember he stopped. He stopped um, one of the sketches right in the middle during the table read, and he uh, he was explaining what hoodlums, where that word came from, and it was <laughs> and it just it broke the whole pacing of the sketch, you know. Oh yeah, hey Neil, Neil, were you a were Neil? Did you uh, were you a bartender? Was that in? Were you a bartender in the Improv? Or yeah, no? I worked as a bartender for two years at the Improv. I was 25, 26. At the Improv on Melrose? Yeah. And then and then Eddie, Eddie, who's the bartender now, took over, yeah. over for me. And that was oh, like really? 30, 30, I don't know, 30 years ago. <laughs> he's still he's still bartending. People love him. I told Eddie, I said, I, you're like a friend of me. So you know what? I'm just going to order all my drinks and then I'll tip you at the end. But I meant the end when he quits. <laughs> when so, he dies. Yeah. So I said there at the very, go. very end. He can't quit now. I, I saw online, Neil was a bartender and they said, here's a trivia question. What was Kevin's? joke about bartending and so i tried to guess and they wrote a joke kind of to sound like you and used the real answer which is probably a lie was i just try to put as much alcohol in as possible and the other answers were i just try to get the color right <laughs> of the drink <laughs> and the other one was kind of funny said i just tell him to tip me up front that sounds like a joke. I guess that one. That sounds like a joke you'd say. Which one was it, Kevin? Well, the truth is, I mean, it wasn't even a joke. It's just <laughs> I, I never bartended before, so I didn't know how to make drinks. I had the boss bartender guard guy below the bar. If somebody ordered like a seven and seven, I flipped 
flip through the pages and find out how to make it. But I, I had that college mentality where I thought the more alcohol in the drink, the better they'll like it. So often people would come back with their drink and say, could you put a little more uh, club soda in here? I said, really, this is too strong. I said, okay, all right, I'm just trying to help you out. <laughs> Kevin, I have another thing. Is this your <laughs> joke? You know, I always know your jokes. But when you say- You remember my jokes from the 80s. When you I used remember to your jokes. And I swear, I've seen a million comics. I don't know why yours I remember. But uh, they're all funny. But when you say you had a lobster, you were cooking a lobster, and then you went to cook it, <laughs> and you said, tell me if I get this right. You go, I went to put it in the pot, but then I looked at a little face. I go, you know what? This is an animal, and it does not deserve to die. So you know what I did? I got my car. I took it out to the woods. I let it go. Because you got to do the right thing sometimes. Because <laughs> you got to do the right joke? <laughs> That's Kevin. That's a good paraphrase Paraphrase of it. Yeah. I always thought it'd be funny to have a show where uh, the comic's girlfriend or wife does their act. And, <laughs> and they don't get it quite right, but they kind of paraphrase it, you know? <laughs> All my friends go, I could do your act. I go, it's so intricate and complicated. I dare you. And then they do it exactly. I go, oh. Well, the trajectory, the evolution of the wife slash girlfriend is initially she's kind of pretty much in the front row watching your act. Then she's midway back. Then she's standing in the back. Then she's in the green, <laughs> then she then she's in the green yeah, room during the your green act. <laughs> and then she'll meet you after. And finally, she's just at home where you've been. And she stays home. Yeah, yeah, going, how was it? Did you guys like going to the after parties on Saturday Night Live? God, you're always, you're so wired. I was never really in it enough to be wired, but I would get energy from doing the good nights and waving good night. So, <laughs> and then they'd hand, do you remember this? Marcy was always scared because too many people would ha figure out the party. So you'd get Marcy a little Klein ticket. Marcy was Lauren's assistant. Yeah. yeah. You'd get a ticket. She'd walk by and hand you a ticket like bef right before air or something. Like that's what you were thinking about, but I was. And then they go, hey, the tickets, the party's going to be here. It's going to be here. He's me. And so you'd, have this, and then after the show, you'd get a limo. That guy Max would be out there and go, Spade, you want to go with Farley? Yeah, you want to go with Timmy Meadows? And they'd try to double us up because we weren't the big stars, but you guys would get your own limo. <laughs> and they'd get you to the party, and then they would get you home. Uh, and then the party, was it was always so late. I think it's a big status thing now, but man, to wait, if you're not on the show, to sit there and wait till 1 to go to the party, which is more like one thirty. That's a late night. I would opt not to go to the after party because I was so exhausted from the show. And I wanted to be able to get up in the morning on Sunday and enjoy my one day off. But I always had guests coming in that they wanted to go to the after party. Oh, they have to. Yeah, that's the whole it's thing. It's not even really a party. It's just everybody's at the same restaurant. You get your own table. You get your own bill. Food, yeah. You know, the, the well, you show's get a not bill. paid for. Yeah, you oh. pay for your all your guests and your friends and um so and then you know everyone's at their own table and there's just a lot of gawkers and you'd walk around and the host would like to say hello to you but i it, kevin i don't know if i'm right about this but the show was so in the doldrums when we got on cars were not provided to go to the party so you me and dennis would be out it'd be like snowing and we'd be trying to get a cab to go to the party i don't know when cars <laughs> came in but we did not have cars at least in those first few shows i we love it we only had an eight-show pickup, Dynamite told us. We had eight shows, so if we don't hit the ground running, we're out here by Christmas. Yeah. Yeah, we were living out of our cars. And we even shared a, an office together, you and me. Kevin and I shared an office that was very humble, very small, and we would sit in there for hours trying to riff, especially when Hans and Franz came. We would go 
And really, we got so silly. I mean, you, you're so tired and stressed out. Sometimes I put on music on a boombox, and you, me, Victoria, and Dennis would just dance around in there, <laughs> right? Just because of the stress. Yeah. Yeah. And then I remember like Sandler and Farley and you too, Spade. You, didn't you guys have a, a, an office on the other side by the writer's room next to Chris Rocks? We had uh, Herb Sargent's old update office. So it was it, like that it, corner. Yeah. It was like a frat house in there. I'd go in there. There'd be like Playboy magazines everywhere, pizza boxes on the floor. And then you go into Rock's office and it was like pristine. He had like Malcolm X <laughs> posters, Martin Luther King, all kinds yeah. of African-American Pre culture books on this, yeah. uh, you know, and just spotless. We're just all idiots because Farley would wipe his butt with the USA Today. You know, um, one time I was going <laughs> to the rap party and they said, and they go, hey, and then I see I see Norm on Monday. I think you guys overlap with Norm. And he goes, I go, Norm, I didn't see you at the party. He goes, no. I go, well, I saw you get in a limo. I went to Atlantic City. <laughs> Why? <laughs> to gamble. Like, I'm the asshole. To gamble. I go, oh, well, sorry. I don't know. I thought those are for the party. The poor limo driver's going, Keep going straight, sir. We're about 30 <laughs> minutes away from the party. I think it's at Ollie's. Every week he'd surprise the limo driver. <laughs> Atlantic <Yeah>. City. <laughs> I know. And the guy goes, oh, fuck, I get Norm. I'm going to be back tomorrow. Lovitz was telling me a story where, uh, or somebody was telling me about how Lovitz loaned uh, Norm a couple hundred dollars, like $200 to gamble. Mm -hmm. and, and the next day, Norm didn't pay him back. And they were touring somewhere together. And then the next day he asked him again, he goes, Norm, you got the $200? And he kept asking him. And then after a week, after he asked him, Norm goes, you only lost $200. I lost $5,000. What are you complaining about? <laughs> it was, it was $8,000. Why are you writing me funny. for? I lost like $8,000. Yeah. You only lost two hundred. dollars Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll be. Mm, yeah. Mm. Yeah, but... Go ahead. But, you know, I, I was there for nine years, so I worked with a lot of different people. You know, I saw, you know, Spade came in and then Mike Myers, Farley, Tim, you know, Tim Meadows, uh, everybody. I mean, it was, Sam and then we got a lot of those wild cards, you know, like Michael McKean yeah. and Chris Elliott, you know, and Janine Garofalo and Sarah Mark Silverman. Mark McKinney. That's Stiller. Mark McKinney, yeah. Oh, yes, yes. Ben Stiller, who lived in the Bromley as well during that time. He did? Yeah. A fucking Bromley. And, and he got let go from the show. And I was doing very well in the show. And I'd run into him in the elevator. I'd go, how are you, how are you okay? You know, and he was, <laughs> you know, went on. The guys who get fired or don't get hired for the show seem to do extremely well. Jim Carrey, <laughs> Ben <I> Stiller. <laughs> they, Jim Carrey was on the show? No, but he, he didn't get hired. He auditioned. Right. He auditioned with us, you know. We should have Jim on yeah. just to talk about how he didn't get it. That audition, yeah, he destroyed. I mean, I just- I think most most people got fired from that show. Yeah. I didn't know Farley and Sandler got fired. Yeah, I mean, the year I left, um, Sandler and, was it Farley? Both got fired? Yeah, I didn't even know that for fucking 20 years because they're both doing so well. I didn't know that there was any friction. So did, I don't think there was. I think so the they idea just, is that they wanted to come back and were told no. That's so weird. It's so weird. They're both huge stars. And I was kind of forced out of there too. You know, there wasn't much you were future bum for rushed. me in there. Were you bum rushed out? I, I knew I knew that was my last year that they'd have me. But luckily I got a sitcom with uh, DreamWorks with Spielberg. So I had something to go to after that. It was called 
what was something it called? Something called Hiller and Diller. It was called push, no, was Pushed Out the Door was the working yeah. title. <laughs> Kevin, you've done a lot of Sandler movies. Which one do people know you from the most, do you think? Mostly Happy Gilmore and Grandma's Boy, even though he wasn't in that one. What was the one yeah, where you, you had, was it just go with it? You had plastic surgery. You looked hilarious. Yeah. That was pretty funny. Yeah. Was that a lot of makeup? But one, it was. It was four hours in the makeup chair and they only used one day. I did like three, three or four days of sitting in that chair, but they only used one, one day of my shooting. But the most fun I had was doing Blended where we shot in the South Africa. Oh yeah. I saw that. For two months. We went, on, we went on safaris and everything. It was cool. Yeah. I've done like 13 Sandler films. Seriously? 13. So you've done 10% of his films. <laughs> Every time I'm in a Sandler movie, it, it's a terrible, <laughs> terrible bomb. I was in Little Nicky. <laughs> and then I was in Jack and Jill. Those hey. are the only, so I, I should never be in another hey. Sandler film. Both very funny. Adam doing his thing, but. I'm from the I South. The deep South. Uh, Kevin, I have a question for you. Oh, first of all, back to us, oh, I got two, but bathroom attendant, I was there for, I thought that was one of the, that, that sketch was fucking killed if I remember correctly. Yeah, that was with Harvey Keitel. That's one of my favorite sketches I, I wrote on that show. And, you know, there's a thing I have about bathroom attendants. It just seems so unnecessary, you know, to have a bathroom attendant to dry your hands and to, yeah. you know, give you, and then have candy on the counter. Because, you know, once you go to the bathroom, you immediately want to eat, refill your supply. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I always so, give him 10 bucks and go, if anyone asks, I wash my hands. And he's like. <laughs> <laughs> so I, um, you know, I've always kind of had that little uh, thing about bathroom attendants. So I finally wrote up this sketch about a, a bathroom attendant in a very small bathroom with just one toilet. That was the no tiniest uh, I remember set that. too. That was funny. Yeah. And Kaitel was great. That was good. It was, it was funny, perfect. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he, he was, was into it. He fucking loved it. Yeah, he did. <laughs> and then Farley comes in at the end, like he's my regular customer. <laughs> oh, what a great yeah. way to get out. Yeah. <laughs> you know who helped me with that was uh, Mike Shoemaker, <clears throat> who oh, was really? one of the associate producers at the time. Or at the time, I think it was maybe just, I don't know, a, <clears throat> a PA or something. I'm not sure. But yeah, he was. He kind of had a lot of a lot of good little ideas for it. Yeah, he, he still works at Seth. He has a big job over there. Uh, and when you, and it says you went to Sacred Heart, these are my two last things. You went to Sacred Heart and now, I don't really care about that, but you, um, at Sacred Heart as comedians, cause we're all like in the comedy biz. That was one where I was doing gigs, you know, on weekends at SNL. I went from getting three grand a night. I think I maybe got up to five a night, but they go take a car. I think that's drivable, right, Kevin? Is that far drivable? Yeah, it's like an hour and 15 from New York. So they go do 45 to an hour, right? Which was kind of a tough swing because I was not really even a headliner when I got hired. I was pretty solid middle, but you know, sometimes they make a middle to 35. I go, get fucked. I, I would do 25 maybe. But anyway, so <laughs> I do, uh, I go to, I go to headline. I've got about 50 55 and i'm like shit this is gonna be tough but i gots to do it because i'm getting the dinero so this i go all the way heart. there yeah so i go to sacred heart i remember this name and and they're all sitting on like a fireplace or something and i you know it, schools are great they have extra money they hire you to come in but i haven't really caught fire or anything i'm just like a comedian they don't really know me so i'm just like i go and they're all like sitting cross-legged on the floor i remember i think i remember this right Maybe 200 kids. So I'm doing, you've, you guys all been here. So I'm doing my fucking act. It's bombing ferociously. And 
I'm buzzing through it. You know what I mean? Because I'm not doing well and I know they don't want me there. But I'm like, blah, blah. And this is my big lesson in comedy. So I do it and I buzz through everything. But uh, but I did 43. And all I had to do was go like, hey, where's this guy from? You know, not even a closer, just some conversation and then get off. But I leave and the guy goes, up, 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 up. he wouldn't pay me. He goes, you did 43. You're supposed to do 45. And I go, and I, and he had me. That's a contract thing because you can't say you bombed because that's objective. But you can say you didn't fulfill your contract. So I left without a check. And then no. Gervitz called him and yelled at him and they f- finally paid me. The funny part That's about- the thing, man. When you go ahead. When you go somewhere, you know, if you're traveling far, you want to come home with a check. One time I, I worked with Bill Maher and Tommy Davidson up in Rochester or Buffalo, New York. And we had to fly from New York in this little I did on a little plane, prop plane. Yeah. I got there and I got I got really sick before the show. I had some kind of a stomach bug. And I only felt good if I laid on a cot backstage. And Bill Maher did his set. Tommy Davidson did his set. And I didn't want to go home without getting paid. Mm-hmm. So I asked the stage manager if he would put the cot out on the stage and I could lay on the cot and do my act from the cot <laughs> on my, my side. And that's what I did. I did it. And, you must and I told killed. the people I was depressed. I said, I'm just so depressed. I got to lay down. <laughs> I did my act. They were dying. They were loving it. And occasionally I try to get up and, and do my act and I felt bad again. Like I was going to throw up. So I had to lay. I said, ah, I'm depressed again. I got to lay down. <laughs> <laughs> so well that I started taking that cot with me to gigs. <laughs> I was your new one. It never worked as well as that when I was real. Looking to save on delivery? Dash Bash from DoorDash is your door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. DashPass is an exclusive membership with DoorDash that gets you unlimited $0 delivery fees on eligible orders and members-only deals and discounts. Whether it's food from your favorite restaurants, grocery from across town, or anything in between, DashPass is the most affordable way to get everything you need delivered right to your door. With $0 delivery fees and lower service fees on eligible orders, DashPass makes it easy to save at restaurants, grocery stores, and all your local favorites on DoorDash. DashPass pays for itself in two orders on average. Plus, DashPass gives you special access to exclusive promotions and menu items, all for $9.99 a month. Get more from delivery for less with DashPass. $0 delivery fees and reduced service fees on eligible DoorDash orders. Sign up for DashPass today and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. Mm-hmm. And what makes a home is more than just house or property. It's the location and the neighborhood. Yes, exactly. This is really, really a smart uh, thing. If you have kids, it's also schools, regards the homes, nearby parks, transportation mm-hmm. options. That's why homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. Yeah, and when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools, with test scores, state rankings, Mm -hmm. student-to-teacher ratio. This is stuff you need. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's right. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know all in one place, homes.com. We've done your homework. 
I once had one where I was chewing gum for some silly reason. Never chew gum before you do stand up. And and now please welcome packed house. And then I bit my tongue, and it was bleeding the whole set. I was just swallowing blood and trying to smile. My teeth were kind of smeared with blood. <laughs> Sickening. <laughs> Kipadada uh, pooped his pants. You ever hear that one? Oh yeah, yeah. That was famous. A lot of comedians <laughs> shit their pants. <laughs> Poor Kipadada. That's all we remember his whole act. Pooped did you, his pants. Did you ever have stage. a thing where you hadn't done stand up in a while, but you're on Saturday Night Live, and then they're paying you a lot of money, and you do what you think is your whole hour, but it's like 32 minutes. And <laughs> yeah, a, of course. Because you're just so out of shape. You go so fast and you're just like, oh my God, that's why I always had the guitar. So I could just goof around on that. And you, you forget know? chunks. I remember doing my act after I haven't done it for a while. And I'm like, that bat, that used to kill. And someone goes, you didn't even do the middle of it. And I go, huh? Because you know, forget. Huh? You're like, how does this track? And that's why it's almost like a play where you have to, every, every line is important if it's well written. You know, every line makes sense and it's, economized to where you have to do it a certain way you can kind of riff off that but you have to get the basics down and if you don't lay the groundwork one joke was so stupid i think i was saying there was no traffic today but everything was based on there was traffic and so i just said one word wrong and then nothing worked and then later someone goes Mm -hmm. you said the opposite i go i did and then (laughs) and then it makes sense you go oh it's you know you can't figure it out Who's who's critiquing you always afterward? They're just there, someone there's always someone or, there. The court stenographer going, "Well, tonight, <laughs> I know you thought well, you did a well." Of that, a lot of that has to do with nerves too. Like when you're starting out, you kind of do that. You forget stuff. That's why I love doing the warm ups on SNL because it took some of the stress away from me and anxiety because I was already like I met the audience and they've yeah. seen me, mm-hmm. so I'm not coming out kind of like you know all brand new and you know oh i had to do that sometimes i think i i don't know if i was assigned it from you but after you but it was hard because marcy's like get out there i'm like oh fuck i'm getting ready for a sketch so i gotta go (laughs) up and do like five or ten minutes because we were new so she would always like rough us up get out there lauren's mad at you and then walk away i go what so (laughs) so uh it's always mad I know, Lauren. It's, it's, it's the easiest thing. The, what about when Lauren would walk around the set with his Amstel light and a glass, and he just walk around in between, like during a commercial, and you're like, "Get out of here!" Like, because it's too nerve wracking already. And I know, like, and he'd say, stuff. "Maybe kill." We were doing something with uh, Danny DeVito. I can't remember. I think Kevin was in it, and Lauren during the commercial break goes, "This has to breathe." You know, it was just kind of those sort of <laughs> whatever notes. that means. And he always yeah. would say, "This is just Lauren's sense of humor." You'd walk down the hallway and you'd say, still with the show, was another one. Yeah, that's right, yeah. <laughs> but I thought it was funny. <laughs> I would try to huddle up with him by the monitor. Hey, Lauren, what's up? Sometimes they go, Lauren wants to talk to you right right after Gap Girls. And I'd, I'd be summoned to the monitor, you know, during the commercial. And it's really loud. They're playing the band. He's like, I think the ending, you could do this. You know, he's like, it's, that's how it works. They give notes and they do it right there while it's fresh in his brain. And then you have to go wait to see if it even gets picked for air. That was dress rehearsal, I should clarify. And then they, and then you've got your notes going, I know what to do if it stays in the show. Yeah. You change, you know, you tighten it and you go, hey, I made it shorter, like selling it, like yeah. it won't yeah. take up much room. So <laughs> you can still put it on, you know, and then. Uh, you guys ever didn't... visit? You ever go up there and visit? Um, I've just been there. If I did Fallon, then usually I'd see Lorne or and then maybe do something on the show. 
But yeah, you just. I used yeah. to go up there. I used to go up there to visit, you know, say hi to Lauren if he'd I was like, playing a like Carolines that. or something. Yeah. <laughs> and but you know, the last few times I went, it was really difficult because I, Lauren was so busy because there was other people that were visiting him, like Paul Rudd and Tom Hanks, and they're oh. all around the monitor. And you, it's yeah. like you don't even exist, you know. <laughs> yeah, a lot of and people then, yeah. go around that monitor. I went in and did a. Uh, church lady on update this was pre-pandemic and then i walked around the monitor and i saw two people going wow that was awesome clapping and i just kept walking and they go hey, that was jay-z and beyonce <laughs> oh <laughs> okay. well will forte uh kind of will forte summed it up he goes uh you never feel less needed when you go back to snl now it's like you're almost invisible you know? You're you're of no use anymore. I remember when I finished my high, yeah. high school track career, and the coach was so indifferent toward me. I did my last race, and I was I kind of wanted to talk about the experience. I go, see you later. Yeah. You're just, you're just <laughs> sort of done. And uh, yeah, you've been squeezed dry. I've had other cast members email me who've left, like Fred Armisen, basically saying, "Well, how how do I deal with this? The emotional hangover of it, and then." watching and seeing people doing your job and, and in some cases doing it a lot better Without it is a beat, it, yeah you never totally get over doing that show uh, nobody does on some level you either have a dream about it or think about it it's too intense don't you guys think i mean yeah. it's yeah, always I mean, somewhere when I, when I left that show i couldn't uh imagine something superseding that as far as being notable you know i always wondered i thought i wonder if i'll ever do anything that's kind of as notable as that show was. And, and, live, and live and weird. And yeah. With, and, I mean, I, doing a movie and then it waits a year to come out, it takes six months to get it together, then you shoot it and everyone's like, where have you been? One well, guy, for me, I got, you know, I, for, for, for me, Weeds came along and that was something that people really liked and it was a yeah. different kind of a feeling than SNL, but it was still, it was fulfilling for me. Yeah. And it was a very this acclaimed guy, this, show. This, this Uber driver goes, hey, uh, it's like about a year or two ago, he goes, you know, this is how bad showbiz is. He goes, hey, uh, what about that guy, Chris Pratt? You never see him anymore. What happened to him? I go, Chris Pratt? I think he was in Jurassic World and and that other one with the fucking raccoon. He's in, those are two of the biggest movies in history. He's like, yeah, but what else? What's the, he hasn't been anything lately. I go, it was this year. I go, what the fuck have I done? Jesus, he's like, yeah, we well, haven't done shit. But people, if they didn't see your movie you did once, you know, you did one movie, like I did Wrong Missy. Then if they miss that, then it's such a chunk of movies they haven't seen. Like it's such a gap because it takes a year to get it together. Then you shoot it. Then it waits to come out. Then you try to get another one. So everyone's always like, well, you got any movies coming out? It's like the most question I get asked the most. And then if you tell them, they go, oh, yeah, what else? Well, go, no, no one knows what anyone's you? doing. You can make stuff up. I was doing that with Mark Pitta <laughs> would open for me, the comedian Mark Pitta in Vegas. This was even in, like eight years ago and we would make up he had just starred in the uh sort of the blackjack network he starred in i've had just about <laughs> enough of you and he get a big the applause blackjack. like he's a star nobody knows what yeah. anyone's doing no That's one's right. seizing no anything. anything they just want to i just want to drop things in deadline that i'm starting and then never do them just have people go hey i heard you got a lot of shit going on Spade, you should ask that uber driver uh, where have you been driving lately? I haven't seen you driving anywhere. <laughs> no, I've been all over. Los uh, what you, they never, they never get that. I always like when you're, you're jealous. Like if your <laughs> wife sees someone on TV, 
that guy's really handsome or whatever, or it's Tom Cruise or Brad Pitt or something. You know, the the kind of thing you would say is like, I I don't I don't get it. You know, I don't get yeah. it. <laughs> you know, or like a great comic, like any great comedian. I don't know. I don't get it. I don't uh, really get it. You know, you but know what, what, you, what are you gonna do? That, you know what that stuff works. And you go and they're like, What do you mean that stuff? No, that kind of comedy, that'll always work. <laughs> yeah, comedy's very subjective, you know? I had this, <laughs> the stagehand in the wings right before I went out. Hey, Mr. Coffee, last week we had Simbad. Let me tell you something. That guy killed harder than any fucking comedian. He he had the crowd in the palm of his hand, and he was doing all these jokes about local establishments and highways, and yeah. they went fucking nuts. Don't you love to hear that right before you go out? Yeah, right. right. Yeah, I, I, actually, I actually followed Simbad, and I couldn't. He killed so hard. And I was like, I'll just kind of beep bop up there. And I was like, I was starting to get nervous going, oh, he's really killing. Because it was for, it was a corporate gig. And he knew yeah. everything about the corporation. He's like, according Smart. to Section 42. And everyone's like, Wah! I go, God yeah, damn. But, but Spade, what has he done lately? I haven't seen him around. You know what I mean? What's he been doing? You know, he's just kind of disappeared. You know? He goes, you know, <laughs> he's when got, you he's wear got your a underpants so much. On the Guys and Dolls Network. The Guys and Dolls <laughs> Network. He's huge. He's a prime time. <laughs> Actually, Dennis goes, I did Star Search. I'm up against Sinbad. I'm doing my best fucking joke. Sinbad walks up after me and goes, you ever wear your underpants so many times it's just a rubber band? Four stars! <laughs> uh, Sometimes I watch uh, I watch movies with my son. It's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's 14. He's like, uh, Spade, I wasn't sure if you were talking to me or if you had indigestion right there. I'm just talking to off-camera to people. Oh. Go ahead. Well, sometimes I watch uh, movies with my son. He's, he's you know, he's 14. And uh, we'll be watching uh, a movie and he'll go, is that guy still alive? Huh. That actor is that actor still alive? I go, yeah, that's Sandler. That's Adam Sandler. <laughs> and then uh, he goes, what about that guy next to him? I said, that's me. That's me. I'm still alive. <laughs> <laughs> so Kevin, I asked David this a couple weeks ago, and I said, when you're watching TV and you're kind of bored, do you ever check the age of the actor and their net worth? And he doesn't. Do you, have you ever checked the age of the actor or the net worth while you're watching a show? I check the age sometimes, but like the last person I did that to was. Uh, uh, what's his name? The guy from Jaws, the older uh, sh- Robert Shaw. Yeah, Robert Shaw. Because Shire I remember as a kid no watching that movie, he looked so old. And when then I checked his age; he was like forty-six or something like that. Yeah, that's in the that thing movie. That, or forty-five. Yeah. Wow. And he died. Yeah. He died in Ireland. He was driving with his wife and kid, and he didn't feel good. He got out of the car and he had a heart attack on the street at forty-seven. Whoa! Well, should we end on that? But so, so I, uh, <laughs> so I checked his age. Shark when he did the jaws, water, you know. Pull on the side of the road and put him over to me CPR. <laughs> jaws, <laughs> what a guy! You be pressing on me, Kevin. Um, Kevin, Neal I check the age of the I check the age of the Disney kids when they're doing the movies. I say, how old is that kid making all that <laughs> yeah. money? I look. Do you know Kelsey how old Nemo Grammar. was? Nemo was just a, a child actor. Yeah, he was. And then he, and then he, uh, but you know what? There's a lot of fish in the sea. <laughs> Dora, Dory was, I don't know, forget it. This bit's bombing. Um, anyway, Kevin, I got to jump off. Kevin, you and Danny can go on for off. a couple. We've tortured oh, yeah. we you. Got, we, got a million, we got a million things we've going. We've tortured you enough. <laughs> it's going to take a long time to unpack this show and figure out what happened. Yeah, yeah, we got to edit this down We can edit the shit out of this, man. I had <laughs> like five minutes. Is it a five minute show? Kevin, hey, we're hey, going to get you a copy of this. Hang on a second, guys. What is it, Marcy? Marcy <laughs> says I need to do warm-ups. 
for the show. You got to get going and do warm-ups. Yeah, Lauren wants yeah. you. Lauren's we are you. going to have Marcy Klein as a guest on this yeah, show for because sure. she is the linchpin Definitely. of a lot of the era of she Saturday knows Night stories. Live. She she was the mother, uh, the the daughter. Do- she was everything. <laughs> she was behind the scenes, above the scenes. So yeah, she's got a lot of great stories. All right, Kevin. Thanks, buddy. Good. Oh talk wait a minute. I got I got a great story for you guys. Oh boy. Go ahead. Oh, he hung up. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that was the hook. Oh, good that's one. a funny, yeah. that's funny shtick. Hey, what's up, flies? What's up, fleas? What's up, people that listen? We want to hear from you and your dumb questions. Questions, ask us anything. Anything you want. You can email us at flyonthewall at cadence13.com. Hey, everybody. Spade here. I apologize for looking badass. I just threw this coat on because it was 95 today, and I want to look cool. But listen, I get a lot of questions. Dana and I both do. I'll answer this one. Uh, Norm MacDonald, obviously big in the folklore of uh, SNL and how great he was and blah, blah, blah. We all know about Norm, and a lot of the questions are any Norm MacDonald stories. Obviously, we have hundreds. Um one of the ones I like is when we would text, he's like a child. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't, he's nothing normal about him. So it's infuriating. And he would text in the middle of nowhere. He was, he was a big time canceler of plans. One of the all time greats. Uh, and also with the shenanigans you have to put up with. So let's say he texts me, David, what are you doing? And then I answer, I go, oh, hey, Norm, what's going on? And then he waits about two weeks. Then he goes, hello, David, don't you like me anymore? And I go, Norm, I, I did answer you. What do you need? <laughs> do you want to meet up? Do you want to go eat? And then about four in the morning, David, why do you hate me? And then, and then it would go into this one. Do you like money? And I go, yes. David, would you like to win money beyond your wildest dreams? No, he didn't say win. He goes, would you want more money than you could ever count? And I go, of course I would. And then like four days later, David, are you still thinking about the money? And I go, I am. And he goes, if you really like it, I'll tell you how you can get it. And I go, please. And then about three days later, he says, bet the under on the Chicago Blackhawks in the first period. First of all, how much am I betting where I'm going to win money beyond my wildest dreams? I have to bet a trillion? I said, I'll put a nickel on it. it sounds like gambling talk. I don't even know what it means. But that he would do that and then he'd pee in a bottle. But Norm was... There's too many Norm stories that are too funny, but he's always like this. He's very stiff. Ah! You ask him any normal question, he answers it like it's crazy. Me me and him and Dennis Miller did a gig right before the corona. All us three crazy people. And he goes, David, when's this show? I go, eight. He goes, what? I go, Norm, there isn't a more typical showtime in the world than eight. If it was 7.45, you could say that. If it was 8.01, you could say that. You can't say it at 8. And then if you go, if you tell him any real news, like, oh my God, <laughs> Russia just invaded LA. He goes, oh yeah, when? 
That doesn't shock you? They invaded LA? They dropped a bomb in LA today? You're supposed to go, what? That's when you say, what? He's got it all mixed up. Anyway, Norm's great. We do miss him. Thank you for the question. This has been a podcast presentation of Cadence 13. Please listen, then rate, review, and follow all episodes. Available now for free wherever you get your podcast. No joke, folks. Fly on the Wall has been a presentation of Cadence 13. Executive produced by Dana Carvey and David Spade, Chris Corcoran of Cadence 13, and Charlie Finan of Brillstein Entertainment. The show's lead producer is Greg Holtzman with production and engineering support from Serena Regan and Chris Basil of Cadence 13. 